This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, O Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, and Craig. Normally, during a primary in a party where the candidate from that party has the White House, you see maybe a few outside troublemakers. Like malcontents that were part of a deposed faction or absolute cranks that are regular guests on some kind of activist show that now really just want to get their name out there. But the Democratic primary, such that it is, is essentially a two-man race. We're going to get to Marianne a little bit later. Robert Kennedy Jr. and Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. As I'm going to explain in this podcast, this is not me making a case that RFK is going to be the Democratic nominee. I think we would sooner see that convention held on the moon. But that doesn't say that there's not a lot to learn from RFK Jr.'s candidacy, specifically as we are trying to understand the Democratic Party coalition, something that Biden is going to have to pay a lot of attention to should he make it through this primary process and into the general. But still, let's be realistic. I don't believe that RFK Jr. is going to be the next president. And so, if this is just one of those reintroductions of a non-mainstream figure into the political mainstream, something that happens all the time during these elections, then let's really spice it up. Not only are we going to talk about RFK Jr., we're going to talk about something that'll just get you thinking through the weekend. A trade. Now, there are no trades in politics, but I got one for you. RFK Jr., currently a Democrat, being traded straight up for Chris Christie, who is a Republican. Who says no? For Dog and Pony Show Audio, I'm Justin Robert Young, and this is Politics, Politics, Politics. All right, so before we get any further, let's go ahead and talk about the actual chances or lack thereof of RFK. Since he announced his candidacy for the 2024 Democratic nomination in mid-April of this year, he has maintained pretty good polling numbers. He's done around 15 to 20 percent in national Democratic primary votes. But, of course, despite these relatively strong figures, he remains more than 40 points behind President Joe Biden in national Democratic primary surveys. Biden continues to enjoy high approval ratings among, de- among Democrats, with 84 percent of respondents in a recent Quinnipiac University poll expressing approval for his performance as president. Based on historical precedent, it is unlikely for an incumbent president polling above 70% nationally within his party to lose a single contested state primary. We're going to get to that in a second. Kennedy's popularity among Democrats is noticeably lower than Biden's. According to the same Quinnipiac poll, only 25% of Democratic voters held a favorable view of Kennedy. Keep that in your head. 
39% view him unfavorably. This is probably because he is daring to go against a popular president that, in general, they believe can win another term. Kennedy's support base largely comprises of people who don't think like that. His ratings among Republicans stand at 40%, and only 18% of Republicans find him unfavorable. Kennedy's appeal appears to be more pronounced among non-liberal independents and conservative Democrats as opposed to liberal Democrats. Now, I'd make an argument that that is not great news for Joe Biden because Joe Biden really made his bones on more conservative-leaning Democrats. A reminder, the liberal to very liberals were more on the side of progressive candidates like Bernie Elizabeth Warren et al. Let's get back to Kennedy. One major challenge for him is the fact that the Democratic Party wants to vaporize him with a heat ray. This leaves him largely reliant on support from right-leaning groups, and that contributes to his higher popularity among Republicans and non-liberal Democrats. And despite his decent polling numbers, and let's be clear here, these polling numbers are not bad. Kennedy's lack of base among core Democratic primary voters is seen as a significant obstacle in his bid for the nomination. So, let's be optimists here. If we're on RFK's side, what needs to happen for him to make waves here? Well, Biden would need to self-destruct. And by self-destruct, I mean he would have to make massive mistakes that had huge kitchen table ramifications that would be on the road to painting him as somebody that needs to leave the White House immediately. And so the soft exit of a health scare would be something that would be a a easier path for him than something more harsh. Now, I don't think this is it, but this would be along the lane of something that I am talking about. And it's something that happened this week. So for those of you who are a member of our Patreon, you guys get the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday edition where we go over all these clips that came out during the Sunday shows. And on those shows, they talked a lot about Secretary of State Anthony Blinken going to Beijing, having a one-on-one with President Xi. The State Department tells us that the relationship between China and America is at an all-time low. And it is incumbent upon the agile and important State Department to make sure that this pivotal relationship remains strong. And so, Blinken flies all the way to China. He waits. There's all these leaks about how this is a real gamble of a trip and you never know if the Chinese are going to embarrass him and they make him wait and blah, blah, blah. And then finally, there's a 30-minute meeting between he and Xi. Not a gigantic movement forward, but still positive. Now, again, none of this gets to the American press. None of these details get to the American press unless the State Department is telling them this. So we can fairly safely assume that if we are hearing it, it is what they want us to hear. And so Blinken comes back and it appears as if at the very least, the United States has done a bare minimum to keep 
the volleyball in the air when it comes to our relationship with China. And then at a fundraiser less than 48 hours later, Joe Biden says this off the cuff. The reason why Xi Jinping got very upset in terms of when I shot that balloon down with two boxcars full of spy equipment was that he didn't know it was there. That's a great embarrassment for dictators when they don't know what happened. (laughs) So you spend 48 hours in your White House building up the idea that the Biden administration, which let's be fair, is very, very, very centered on the power in the secretary in the uh, uh, by the Secretary of State office, the State Department's office. They are a very State Department centric White House because Biden's foreign policy is his strength. He is the steady hand at the wheel, the one who knows how to do it, and that goes for all the young pups in the Democratic Party as well as Mister Maga over there doing his Brett Baer interview on Fox News. No, this is Biden's strength. So after building up all this, he totally pisses it away by calling Xi a dictator. Not so good, Al. This is the kind of stuff that was talked about with Joe Biden at the very beginning of his presidential career. That he's too loose-lipped, that he's going to say things that when you're actually the president of the United States could have bigger ramifications. Now, will this actually do anything with China? I sure hope not. But it certainly does not reinforce the idea that Joe Biden is at the top of his game. What's something else? We mentioned before about contested primaries. And I think it is a fair argument that. There's no way RFK Jr. can win a contested primary. But what about a primary that is partially contested, if not contested by Joe Biden? We've already done a bunch of episodes about this, so I'm not going to do the full spiel. But let me remind you that it was Joe Biden, who called for a reordering of the Democratic primary calendar because Iowa and New Hampshire were too mean to him. And so they were going to move up South Carolina and they were moving up Georgia. But here's the problem with Iowa, New Hampshire, Georgia and South Carolina. They're controlled by Republicans and Republicans are running primaries in those states. So there is literally no incentive for the states or even the state parties in the case of New Hampshire to accommodate what Joe Biden and the Democratic Party has declared by fiat. And that means vis-a-vis that Joe Biden cannot appear on the ballots in contests that are not being held in concordance with his party's primary calendar. So that means that there is a non-zero chance. And look, it's going to be a few months before this happens. So I think that the Democrats and the Bidens are going to be able to figure out a solution to this. If they don't, geez Louise. But there is a non-zero chance that the highest polling candidate on the ballot for the caucus and the New Hampshire primary is Robert Kennedy Jr. That would be something truly, truly remarkable if by the Biden 
administration and Joe Biden's personal animus to Iowa, he wound up creating a headache for himself, which is already happening, by the way. But he created a real headache for himself. Next winter. And then the third way that this could turn around, and this is only slightly more implausible than the previous two situations that I listed, is that during the writer strike, we see much like how reality television dominated during the writer strike during the aughts. Instead, we see the rise of AI generated content, not AI generated scripts, right? For the writers. Nope, this is full, just let it play, live content. And let's say that the piece of live content that captures America's attention is a large language model that is trained on the biographies and history and personal memoirs of John F. Kennedy. Imagine it, you turn on ABC and for one hour, you on your phone can via Twitter or text message, ask President Kennedy anything that you would like and he'll answer it in that soaring rhetoric that captured the nation. Everybody's gone crazy. There is some primal element of every single Democrat who is just lit aflame. Finally, real leadership. Finally, Camelot has been reconstructed. And then as the season finale of Kennedy's Fireside Chats 2023 edition, somebody asks him who he would like to endorse. For president. And AI Kennedy says, well, that could be none other than my own nephew, Bobby Jr. Again, only slightly more implausible than the previous two. I think RFK is cooked, but let's get to my big pitch. RFK Jr. for Chris Christie. Let's just have them switch primaries. Because while I don't think either have much of a shot in the primary they're in now, I wonder if they couldn't overperform in a Freaky Friday situation. All that coming up after this. This is your update, brought to you as always by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Again, TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go if you would like to support this show. If you want to get bonus episodes for only $3 a week, you get two bonus episodes. One on Monday morning and one on Thursday afternoon. That's our late edition. The latest that we cover news is a Patreon episode. That's why these Friday ones are a little bit more evergreen. But let's get to your update. Marianne Williamson, who is running her own campaign for the Democratic presidential nomination in 2024, has lost her second campaign manager, Rosa Calderon. Rosa Calderon's departure 
the second campaign manager in as many months to leave Williamson was announced on a podcast and confirmed by anonymous sources to Politico before taking on the role of campaign manager. Calderon was hired as a fundraising uh, person in late April and then interim campaign manager and then deputy campaign manager. After that, Calderon's experience in such roles was limited, but she had previously run for Congress in 2018 and lost. This has been a trend of staff departures for Williamson's campaign, with at least seven departures reported in the last month. Since its launch in March, the campaign has struggled, raising less than one million in the first quarter of 2023 and running no broadcast advertising. Williamson herself has been absent from the campaign trail in recent weeks, opting to conduct virtual events while she's in London for the birth of her first grandchild. Yeah, you know, this follows a lot of reporting on the fact that Williamson is not reportedly the best boss. I do think that any element of bad news for either RFK Jr. or Marion Williamson will be rushed in all due haste to the D.C. and political press because... I do think that the, that the the Biden campaign wants everybody to know that this is a clown show and they certainly do not don't want anybody who has any kind of designs on working in democratic politics to think that working for either of them is anywhere close to okay. That would be a betrayal. Watch your six. That being said, politicians are not always famously great to work with, even ones that spend a lot of time on self-help. The National Assessment of Educational Progress revealed a decline in math and reading scores among 13-year-olds across gender, racial, and ethnic lines. The decrease is part of an ongoing trend since 2012 with a significant drop following the pandemic. The results indicate steeper declines in performance among students who scored in the 10th and 25th percentiles. Furthermore, a decline was also noted in the number of students who reported reading for leisure with a 13-point drop from 27% in 2012 to 14% in 2013, and 31% of students in 2023 reported that they never or hardly ever read for fun. In response to these results, the Biden administration has urged states to use American Rescue Plan funds to support academic recovery and learning loss, highlighting the restrictions on curriculum and materials in Republican-led states as hindrances to academic recovery. So, you know. Never use a uh, good controversy to waste, right? Education Secretary Miguel Cardona noted that amongst uh, almost 60% of schools have already committed their American Rescue Plan funds and acknowledged that the pandemic's devastating effect on students' learning across the nation. On the other hand, some lawmakers such as Bill Cassidy, Republican for Louisiana, and Representative Virginia Fox, a Republican from North Carolina, used the results to reinforce their argument for school choice, emphasizing that educational freedom is the key to reversing this trend. Education moves the needle. I'm, I'm just saying, education moves the needle. And obviously the Democrats want to use the record of, uh, you know, Greg Abbott and DeSantis as a reason why Kids, the kids ain't learning. The Republicans want to use the lockdowns as the reason why they were right. That that uh, this is a indelible mark on children. 
I tend to side more on the lockdown, or at least I think that the lockdown argument is something that is more utilitarian. But then again, the Democrats have really, really done a good job of uh, highlighting the library kerfuffles in Florida. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see in polling because the thing about the, you know, the, the, the books in the library is that it happened a lot more recently. You know, the lockdowns are something that we still don't know whether or not the lockdowns are a thing that happened for which we'll always get smaller and smaller and smaller in the rearview mirror, or is it 9-11, where it will define the next 15 years, even as it ever slightly declines in relevance. And speaking of Ron DeSantis, his feud with Gavin Newsom, one of the strangest elements of our modern political world, two big-name politicians on opposite side of the aisle that love talking about each other despite the fact that they are never going to run against each other. DeSantis was fundraising in California and decided to shoot this video on the streets of San Francisco. We're here in the once great city of San Francisco. We came in here and we saw people defecating on the street. We saw people using heroin. We saw people smoking crack cocaine. And you look around, uh, the city is not vibrant anymore. It's really collapsed because of leftist policies. And uh, these policies have caused people to flee this area. They don't prosecute criminals like they do in most parts of the country. Uh, And the wreckage has really, really been sad to see. And so I've seen so many businesses boarded up. Uh, I've seen so much uh, riffraff just running around. And um, it just shows you these policies matter. Uh, Leadership matters. They are doing it wrong here. No wonder why we've had so many people move from San Francisco to Florida over the last few years. We got to stop this madness. Uh, We need to restore sanity to this country. You know, the Ron DeSantis campaign has not gone great. (laughs) It's not great, Bob. He has gotten in and nothing has really changed. His poll numbers never really got a bounce. His advisors still seem that, you know, hey, there's a long game here. We have now, we're now, you know, a, a week out from the Trump indictment. And that doesn't seem to have softened Trump's approval rating much. Maybe it will the further we go along with it. Uh, you know, we are starting to see more and more of like the, the Bill Bars of the world come out and say, like, look, this is Trump's own making. But really, it's like DeSantis has to capture this idea. He has to say, we cannot have a president who keeps falling in deep state traps. That's got to be his position or else. Yipes. Because I've definitely seen some of the wind out of the sails of the most excited Ron DeSantis surrogates. The writing's on the wall and it's not great for old Captain Ron. That's your update. Again, TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Support the show. This little program. Right there. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. And on over there. Now back to the show.
All right. So I know it's ridiculous to believe that you could trade two candidates. But let's imagine for a world that you can. That there is a commissioner of the Republican primary. There is a commissioner of the Democratic primary. And their only goals, the only goals that these commissioners had was excitement and general fundraising. So let's say they got a percentage off every like win red or every act blue transaction. They're just like the house, right? And so what they want are more people that are excited about their party and excited about donating. And that's how we would judge the success of this. So as we mentioned at the beginning, RFK Jr. is more popular with Republicans than he is with Democrats. Let's get those numbers for you one more time. With Democrats, he is 25% favorable. With Republicans, he is 40% favorable. With Democrats, he is 39% unfavorable. And with Republicans, he is only 18% unfavorable. So let's trade him. Let's trade him to the Republican Party. What does he bring to the table as a Republican candidate? Well, he's a Kennedy. And MAGA loves it. For any of you guys who listen to my Raise the Dead history podcast, it begins as the story of the 1960 election and its comparisons to the 2016 election. So Kennedy versus Nixon and Hillary versus Trump. And I begin it by saying that after 2016, I was fascinated as I tried to learn more about the MAGA movement. I tried to read the things that they were reading. I tried to be on the message boards that they were most excited about that in the grassroots, there seemed to be this super legit excitement about JFK. And that fascinated me because the previous conservative establishment orthodoxy that I was aware of, and this is largely through conservative media was that Kennedy really wasn't all that great. And the only reason why people think he's great is because the media loved him and it was the democratic myth making machine that made him who he was. And that was largely used as proof that this definitely happens because it happened with JFK and now it's happening, depending on when you're listening to conservative media or reading conservative media with Clinton and with Obama, right? The next two big, beautiful future scions of the Democratic Party. That's what I had heard. And then MAGA comes around and they love JFK. Now, part of that is the JFK conspiracy theory. Part of that is uh, the idea that he was murdered by the deep state. But for whatever reason, there is an idea of JFK as populist outsider that enthralls MAGA. And if there were a genuine Kennedy, a genuine Kennedy on a Republican ticket, ooh, baby, that would be something that would certainly attract the crowd. Want to know what else would attract the crowd with RFK Jr.? How about some 
real celebrity and Hollywood connections. You know, you thought that uh, Trump's golf course gaggle drew a crowd, huh? You think a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees brings a Q rating? Well, see you later, Kevin Sorbo. Hello, Larry David. Robert Kennedy Jr. is legit Hollywood plugged in. He is somebody that knows people. Let's remind you that Cheryl Hines is his wife. From Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's his wife. Larry David introduced him. Actual Hollywood glamour in the Republican Party. That seems like something that MAG is more interested in. You know, their populist hero has a golden toilet. They like a little uh, little sparkle. A little glam. But here is the biggest thing. RFK Jr. is somebody that is a vaccine skeptic. And that is something that he made a lot of noise about when, uh, you know, several years ago, back when being skeptical of vaccines was more of a liberal issue. But continues to be something that he is unapologetic for. And, you know, depending on where you stand on him and depending on how much you've listened to him, as opposed to listen to other people talk to him or talk about him, he will say, look, I don't know what's in this, that, and the other. I was part of the Special Olympics. I saw that there's a rise in autism. I'm distrustful of big pharma. But regardless of how much you believe or disbelieve it, there is no doubt that the underlying idea that the betters of this country do not care about you and I am willing to fight them, that is undeniably populist Republican right now. That is a virtue that is out on the Democratic side. The Democratic side is all about, hey, the world is screwed up enough. We need to hold on to what is dear before the very fabric of our society comes untorn. This is about democracy versus authoritarianism. That is the line of the Democratic Party. Fall in line before everything falls apart. Republican Party is more, you know, anarchist. They don't even know if it's fair to say that that uh, the the institutions are making us sick. But they know that it's screwed up and people are stopping you from talking about it. So there we go. I think this is a slam dunk mostly on the RFK Jr. side. I think he would be huge in the Republican primary. Dare I say might pull better than DeSantis. It wouldn't shock me. I'd be curious. Be curious to see it. Be curious to see Trump head to head with RFK Jr. So that brings us to Christie. Because that's what the Democrats get back. And I think from the Democratic Party perspective, Christie is about as electable as RFK Jr. in this particular primary, which is to say not at all. But I think he would delight the Democratic base a lot more than RFK Jr. does. Chris Christie is for the vaccine. 
Chris Christie is unafraid to actually tell it how it is about Donald Trump. And indeed, that is something that is very rewarded on the left, rewarded in the Democratic Party. And there is something, and this happens on both sides, something that is loved so much in with, with these certain cases. And that is when somebody defects. Oh, nobody is beloved more than a defector. And Christie would be that in a major way. Politically, he has shown himself, if he were a new Democrat, he would show himself as willing to work across the aisle. A reminder that back in the era when Christie was thought of as the future of the Republican Party, it was because of his friendship with Cory Booker. That they put politics aside and they were able to actually work together. They did little silly videos. Oh, it was a hoot. And then, of course, there is one thing about the Democratic Party that nobody really likes to talk about, but everyone appreciates. Something you hear a lot from not only Democrats, but also Republicans when they're being fatalistic is that if only we really went for it like the other side. You know, they they play dirty. We don't get our hands dirty. We need to do it ruthlessly. Well, there's one thing that Chris Christie has shown a compunction for. It's sharp elbows. Just go ahead and ask everybody who was trying to commute back to New Jersey when he shut down that bridge. That was him fighting with a mayor. Just imagine how brutal he would be now that the very fabric of democracy is on the line. Now, in all seriousness, this is not something that would ever happen because there's no infrastructure for it. But in reality, if we were just looking at fundraising, this is the game that both of them are playing. Chris Christie is not raising money from rank and file Republicans. He's largely raising money from looky-loos who want to see him on a debate stage with Donald Trump. He's kind of like a vending machine. If I give you $5, will you yell at the person I hate? And he promises he will. RFK Jr. is effectively doing the same media tour that Vivek Ramaswamy does. So, really, if he's raising money, it's from people that are, at the very least, excited to see Joe Biden be challenged. But man, it would be great if we could trade candidates. Wouldn't it? Politics, politics, politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Our show is edited by Brett Stewart. TheYoungAmerican at gmail.com is where you need to write me if you got any thoughts. Tell me who else you'd trade and where you'd trade them to. On Twitter, it is px 3 Tweets for the show, Justin R. Young, for me. You can find me live on the internet, px3live.com. That is Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I'm live on Twitch. You can uh, read my writing at px3newsletter.com. I was going to have a column this week. Didn't have a column this week. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's because of Zelda. I've been playing a lot of Tears of the Kingdom. And, of course, you can share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy, px3podcast.com. 
You can support us, paypal.me slash payjury with a one-time payment on that platform. Venmo. Venmo money isn't real. Justin-Young-20 is where you need to go for that. Cash app is px3cash. And, of course, you can send me anything you'd like in the mail. P.O. Box 1531-84, Austin, Texas, 78715. You can always get our bonus content at takepoliticsseriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And our $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the show like these fine folks in the Titanic. Ten. Dollar tier. Jason, C. Garcia, Matthew T., Andres, Matt, John Gross, El Basso, John, Craig Potts, MC Dradio, Bugs Life, Neemeister, Unsafe DB Level, Amanda, Yield Pinball Shop, DB4 Bongo, Catherine, Todd, and Vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100-mile runner, Idris Arzlanian, Blue Front, and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Molly's dashing debut, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, is awesome. Brad, Richard, just another pilot. Middle-aged Mike, who loves Frank, got abducted. Utah, Jimmy, Montana, the Gen, A-L-D-L-D-L-D. Really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua. You want your name read on the show? Only one place to go. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Have a great, great, great weekend. Stay cool, my friends. Stay cool. The booth is hot. The booth is not air conditioning because, you know. We got to keep the sound good. Holy moly. Sweating like a hooker in church in here. Hot in Texas. Over a hundred. Happy summer solstice, right? Yeah. Not the equinox. It's a solstice. That's the, the, the day that I'm recording this is Wednesday. Longest day of the year. So I think it's shorter from here. Till next time. This is your old pal, Justin Robert Young. Saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh, three. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.